0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Yes, for many that are in this place today have been faithful. Faithful to me, faithful to my Word, faithful to the direction that I've put in your life, faithful to serve, faithful to love. Now is beginning a season of the rewards of your faithfulness, of that which you have stood and believed and declared the Lord shall do in your life, that which you believed as a people and declared day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, as adversity, even natural calamity, even evil spirits of your adversary have tried and tried to shut down your faithfulness, but you've stood strong and you've declared your faith and you've worshiped and glorified my name. Therefore, it is time for me from heaven to declare your season of reward to begin and the blessing of God to begin to flow. So begin to expect and prepare for the arrival of that which your heart has desired, for you shall see it and it shall glorify my Son in all that you do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, there are times, this is still a prophecy, there are times when the Spirit speaks And there are times when the Word speaks. And there are times when the Father speaks from heaven. And this day, by the Word, through the Spirit, your Father is speaking unto you. So have ears to hear and know that you have gotten the attention of heaven, the memorial that you desire. Through your giving and your prayers, is established in the heavenlies and shall forever sit in front of me as a memorial to your faithfulness. Therefore, expect big, ask big, declare big, and I'll rush to your side and give you that which you declare. For now is your time of blessing. Hallelujah. Oh, just lift your hands and thank God. Oh, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Woo, what a word. Glory to God. Glory. Praise God. Genesis chapter 3 where we left off. Now let me just, we're studying the subject of redemption and I've really, I'm taking my time in this. One of the reasons is uh, the knowledge of redemption helps you to understand what you have faith in. You know, it's one thing to have faith, but it's another thing to understand, what, well, what do I have faith in? You know, a lot of people say, well, what do you have? Fa- well, I have faith in God. Well, that, that really doesn't mean anything. You, well, I got faith in God, you know. That, no, well, what is it about God? And what is it about his activity? And what is it about he ha- what he has already done that you have faith in? See, redemption fills in all those blanks. It helps you understand not only what God has done for us through redemption, but it helps you understand who you really are. Because if you stand in the mirror every morning and look at your physical reflection and think that's who you are, you're wrong. Because there's a spiritual view of who you are that you must see and you must understand in order for these supernatural things to operate. You know, it's, it's one of the things that I believe is going to take place here in the United States is a restoration of the supernatural. Uh, you know, there was a time, especially, you know, when the charismatic began in the 70s and through the 80s and into the 90s, where everywhere you went, there were just powerful outpourings of the Spirit, that God was in manifestation. I mean, kind of like what we had last week. You know, some people, they look at that, they think, man, that's bizarre. I don't know if I want to uh, get involved in that. Well, you know, I like the, the clip we did of Brother Osteen. He said, if you're uncomfortable with this, you ain't going to like heaven. Because if you think heaven's going to look like some dead church somewhere, it's not. You're going to be running, shouting, dancing. You and Grandma and Uncle Bob and, and everyone else that's gone before you, you're going to be having a high old time. Amen? I guarantee you. Well, the Bible says Jesus said for us to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when there's running and dancing and shouting and people are rejoicing, the Holy Ghost is moving, that's what God wants. And I'm telling you from about 2000, 2001, i begin to see something. I begin to see men begin to back away from it. They be, well, you know, we want to teach the Word and we want the results of the Word, but boy, that Holy Ghost stuff, you know, that's too controversial. People, you know, sometimes people don't like that. They just get up and walk out. Well, let them walk out. I mean, that doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, here's the thing. We want God, and I like to say it like this. We want the fire of God in manifestation and I'd rather have some wild fire than no fire because you can control a fire that's burning but if you ain't got no fire then your wood is wet, amen? So we're going to keep the wood stoked with some good fuel, amen? But all of these things of who you are, what you have and what you can do in Christ are really the things that you reach for by your faith to pull into your life to help you live a victorious life. You know, we we think many times, well, faith is to get me healed or faith is to get me a new car or faith is, well, it'll work for that. But in reality, your faith is designed to help you see the new you. By faith, you're a new creature. By faith, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. By faith, you're already the healed of God. By faith, you're the prosperous of God. See, that cuts out all of this begging, you know, begging God to do something. He's already done it. And not only has he done it, he's made... Now, listen to this very carefully. If you're taking notes, you need to put this in there. He's made what he has done part of your identity. Now, let me say that again. He has made what you have done part of your identity. You say, what do you mean like that? You're not sick trying to get healed. You are the healed of God. Healing is part of your identity. Amen? Amen? Uh, you're not poor trying to get rich. You're blessed of God using tithing and offering and generosity to, to appropriate that which belongs to you in Christ Jesus is part of your identity. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. It's part of your identity. And if you can see part of your... Listen, if there was a way to test your spiritual DNA and you had a test done before you were a Christian you'd see that your spiritual DNA carried everything that was wrong with humanity. In that DNA would be hate and prejudice and cancer and and addiction and every negative thing that came in through the fall you would find in your DNA. But when you got born again, your spiritual DNA changed. Now if we could test your DNA, we'd see righteousness, we'd see healing, we'd see prosperity, we'd see joy, we'd see blessing. But the thing is, you've you've got a thermostat in your life called willpower. And even when you were a sinner, you used that willpower to suppress some of that. Some of you never murdered anybody. You never stole anything. You never did it. You were using willpower to suppress that which was on the inside of you. The problem is we take that same willpower and suppress what's on the inside of us now and we ought to let it go. Let it go and let it flow. Genesis chapter 3, we ended off last, uh, last time we taught on this, the fall The enemy came in, usurped spiritual authority, painted a picture to the woman of God as somebody trying to hold her back, not letting her eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then he presented a lie to her, thou shalt not surely die, and she bought that lie. The Bible says she gave to her husband with her, they ate it, the Bible says it was pleasant to the eyes, their spiritual eyes uh, closed, and their physical eyes opened. That's what happened in the fall. They begin to hide themselves from the presence of God. As they hid themselves from the presence of God, a very unique force entered into humanity called fear. I was afraid and I hid myself. Where did that come from? It came came from the fallen being that was in the garden, Satan, the devil, or Lucifer, who automatically downloaded everything that was wrong with him into humanity when humanity sinned and fell. Adam committed the sin of high treason. He was the only one that could do that. And because he did that, everything wrong with humanity or wrong with him because of the fall was transmitted to you through the law of seed time and harvest. It has come down through all of the ages, transmitted from the father to the child, the father to the child, the father to the child, because it's in the blood. Everybody say it's in the blood. Remember that phrase. It's in the blood. You say, why? Because in a couple of weeks when we study the blood of Jesus, you'll understand why there needed to be a blood sacrifice in order to get the tainted blood of humanity healed and so that man could have the life of God on the inside of him again. So then it ended up with the same old, same old. Ain't my fault. It's everybody else's fault. He blamed the woman. Amen. And then the God started immediately to begin to deal with the situation. Verse 15, look what that says. First, this is our first redemptive scripture. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This right here is speaking of the seed of the woman and the seed of God that would come together one day and create the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's called the incarnation. Everybody say incarnation. Incarnation. Now, with that in mind, we must understand that God began the redemptive process immediately. As soon as man fell in the mercy of God and in the blessing of God, God gave them a word that would cause hope and faith to come. Let me just say it like this God had a plan. Everybody say, God had a plan. No matter what you got yourself into, no matter what's going on in your life, you say, Pastor, I tell you I've messed my life up so bad, it does not matter. God's got a plan not only to restore you, but to cause you to be blessed, to cause you to live in victory, victory, and to cause you to increase in every area of life. Amen. Amen. Now, just a couple of things real quick. We're going to study today. If we were to title this, we would call this man's condition in Adam. Everybody say in Adam." Thank God you were once in Adam. You were in the human family, but thank God now you're in Christ. And if you're not in Christ this morning, I got good news. At the end of this service, we're going to bring you right into the family of God. It's as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that God has raised his son Jesus from the dead. Amen? Now, notice just one thing here in Genesis. I want you to go down. We know that Adam and the woman were taken out of the garden. They could not live there anymore and God gave the reason why. Now just think of this. He said, I don't want them in the garden anymore because now they're fallen. They're subject to sin and death and if they eat, now listen to this, if they eat of the knowledge, of the, uh, excuse me, if they eat of the tree of life while they're in this state of being separated from me or spiritual death, then they're going to live perpetually forever in torment, in pain, in disease and they'll never die. So one of the things God did was to have mercy upon the human race and allow the human body to come to a place in which it extinguishes its life up here on the earth. And God back then would receive them down into paradise, but now he receives us up into heaven. We'll study that also when we get to the uh, types and shadows of the Old Covenant. Now notice what it says here. Let me find it again. It says, uh, what verse is that, 28? 15, excuse me. Thorns also... And thistles shall it bring forth in thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy uh, face shalt thou eat bread, uh, till thou return to the ground. For out of it thou what is, ta- what, what is taken, and, and for the dust thou art, and unto the dust shalt thou return. Now, basically, the fall, not, not, I ain't got time to go into all this, but we'll do it later, the fall affected man as a species. Ever say man as a species. It affected all of the animal insect world. Amen. It, it, infected, it infected the plant world. You know, there were no thorns. There were no thistles. There were no, there were no poisonous plants. I mean, if you've ever gotten poison ivy or what is it, poison oak or poisons, that stuff's horrible. Amen. The animal world became violent. Animals became poisonous. The other day a friend of mine were out in a field and, and thank God the Lord showed it to him uh, right, right by where he was. It was a big old rattlesnake which he immediately sent to a rattlesnake's reward. Amen. But it was never designed by God that a rattlesnake should have such poisonous venom. That was never designed. The Bible talks about the millennial reign when Christ comes back and rules for a thousand years. He said the lion will lay down with the lamb and children shall play with adders. Amen. So it's never in, any intention for nature or plants or animals to be in such a state, nor man. This horrible thing we saw yesterday, a part of the fall, all the things we've seen since that, part of the fall, all of the diseases, all of the curse of sickness, disease, part of the fall, all of the war, all of you name it, all of that is part of the fall of man when he fell in the garden and all of that nature of the adversary of man entered into the world. That's why the world is in such a pitiful state. Now, go to Romans. We're going to look at two portions of Scripture real quick. In the the letters to the church, because the Apostle Paul was used by God to give us tremendous revelation of redemptive truth. Romans chapter 3. Let's begin there in verse... Look at verse 9. Now, actually, what he's doing is quoting... Or he's pulling together some quotes out of the Psalms here. It says, What then? Are we better than they? Nay, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin. Do you see that? So basically, you know, he was a Jewish uh, Pharisee, and to the Jewish people, there were only two types of people in the world Jews and Gentiles. And Paul shows us right here, does not matter how you were physically born onto the earth, either you are a Jew or you are a Gentile, everyone is born under sin. Now that actually, the word sin there, is not talking about things you do, it's talking about your nature. We all have the sin nature, amen? Now notice what he goes on to say. As it is written, he's quoting out of the Psalms, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now listen to that. There is none right. That means there is no one that has right standing with God. No, not one. You say, well, Pastor, what about the Dalai Lama? He's a good man. If he's not born again, he has no righteousness. I don't care what kind of religious headship we put on some leader in the, quote, church. If they are not born again, they do not have right standing with God. There is none. You say, how can you say that? I didn't say it. I did not say it. It's right here in the Bible. God says it. There is none righteous. This is speaking of our condition in Adam. There is none righteous. No, not one. Now listen to this. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God or seeketh after the Lord you say what do you mean by that nobody's figure out figured out God outside of the revelation that comes to the spirit Jesus said unless you're born again you can't understand the kingdom of God that's why i'm so surprised that people that read books that they write things about spiritual things but they're not even saved that's why you shouldn't raise your children by somebody who wasn't even married or had children Amen. I always liked Mr. Spock better than Dr. Spock. (laughs) At least he had, you know, live long and prosper. Amen. Now notice what it says. There is none that understand. There is none that seeketh after God. Now notice this. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become a profitable. There is none that doeth good No, not one. Everybody say, not one. Now, you either accept this as the Word of God or you reject it. Because a lot of times we look at the benevolence of people, we look at their good works, and we think, well, that's not true, brother. I'm telling you, there's some people doing some good things out there. But God is judging this not in the light of our performance, but in the light of our identity. And he says, in our identity, I don't care what they do, they are not good. There is none that doeth good. That means out of them, there's always going to be some motive. There's going to be some, you know, you look at some of the great benevolent uh, uh, here on the island. We've got Red Cross and Goodwill. If you study their history, they go all the way back to people who were first born again. Amen? Uh, Red Cross, Goodwill, and Salvation Army. Salvation Army were revivalists. I mean, they were people that opposed drinking because alcohol was having such uh, a decimating effect on society. They rose up as the Salvation Army and began to oppose alcoholism with the Word of God and were successful or they would still be around today. Amen. I notice there are none none that do good. No, not one. I notice this. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, uh, they have used deceit. The poison of asp is in their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. (laughs) Now, does that paint a picture of man's condition in Adam? I mean, is there any lying out there? Amen. I heard a joke about politicians. I said, How can you tell a politician is lying? Watch their lips. If they're moving, they're lying, amen. No, we love politicians and pray for them, amen. But there are so many people that are identified by their untruthfulness because it's in their nature. And I've seen, listen, I've seen people caught up in lying to the point that a spirit of lying took them over and they would lie when telling the truth was better. And the problem with lying is if you lie over and over and over, you'll live in the, in, the, in the fantasy of your life. That will become the reality of your life. And you'll think that the lie is true. Amen. It's just the nature of man and Adam. It says their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lift whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now you go back through history and history, the history of the human race can be summed up with one word. Do you know what that word is? Violence. Think of the money. Think of the people. Think of the places that have been destroyed. Think of all that has happened in the wars of the past, the wars that are being planned now, and the wars of the future. I mean, it's incredible. When you read, I, I've kind of been a, study, a student of, uh, uh, of World War II. I like World War II. I read some of the, uh, I like to read after some of the leaders because some of the leaders really had some strong character. And I, and, and I like, I pull leadership out of some of that. But you've got to understand, church, I mean, that war cost 50, 50, 50 million people their lives and how much destruction. It left Europe in ashes. It left Japan and most of Asia in ashes. Just think of the misery that was in the United States of all of the young men that went off to war and never came back and are buried in France and are buried in the Pacific uh, uh, Cemetery of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, the Pacific War Cemetery and all the different cemeteries around the world where the blood of our young men has been spilled all over this world. Even the origin of our nation was violent. We fought a war against the British. We fought a civil war. There's all kinds of violence. Now, even in our society today, I mean, all over Galveston and Galveston County, there's violence that takes place. And people say, well, I mean, we need something to happen. We need stricter laws. We need gun control. It doesn't matter if you reduce society down to no guns, no knives, no nothing, they will figure out something to do violence with. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Pastor? You've got to have hope. I have no hope for the human race except Jesus. And Jesus does not fix the human race. Jesus provides a new race to enter into where the iniquity of mankind is eradicated and the righteousness of God is imparted. Now go to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just begin in verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened, that word quickened is make alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, let me say this, and don't, don't get in the ditch on this, but this will help you. Everyone born into Adam's family is born dead. Now, we're not using that as, as, as you know, identifying, you know, the heartbeat on the them. No, no, they're born separated from God or they're born in a state of spiritual death. Now, that, that, we always want to answer this question at this point. What about babies? What about children? What about little toddlers? They're innocent. Paul said it like this. I was alive once unto God, but then sin revived and I died. There is a point in every person's life where they come to a place of accountability, which means they come to a place in which in their own soul, they begin to make choices of right and wrong. Amen. At that point in all of our lives, we died. We went into spiritual death. That's why your little child, when he gets five or six or seven or eight or nine, I don't know, it's different for everybody. For me, it was about five. I remember at age five, how I begin to have thoughts of of uh, of lying, thoughts of stealing, and but when I was six, I got born again, and I knew what I did, the day I did it, I knew I was going up to ask Jesus into my heart. I knew that, amen. That's why with children you have to train them early. You say why. Well, because iniquity is in them, and if you leave them alone, that iniquity is going to wake up. It's going to manifest, and next thing you know, you got a problem on your hand. You say, "What do you mean by that?" Then you don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to teach him to steal. You don't have to. You don't have to teach him to uh, to be to be uh, mean to the little sister, the little brother. You don't have to teach him to do any of that. You don't have to teach him to be stingy. It's just in them. It's in their nature. And I tell. Let me tell you one more. You don't have to teach them how to cuss. All they need is just a little instruction. I remember Brother Copeland talking about, he, he was talking about when he was a little boy, he said, you know, my parents never cussed, but he said, we had a neighbor next door that would cuss a blue streak. He said, I heard him say a few words, so I went around back into the barn and I just started cussing. He said, when I started cussing, words began to come out of my mouth. He said, I just cussed. He said, and the whole time I was a sinner, he said, every other word to come out of my mouth was a cuss word. You ever notice that about people? You ever been around somebody like that? that ever got, Don't blame them for that. But Lord, when you get saved, you ought to have a language changed. You ought to get your mouth washed out with the water of the word where you don't curse anymore. You say, well, oh, I like to curse. Then you need to get saved because cursing is not your nature. And you know, I, when I teach on this, this, people always get really squirmish. But this is how I was taught. So you just have to, go ahead and get mad or get sad get glad whatever you want to do but we were taught at brother and sister Goodwin's church not even to live on the borderline of we we were taught don't say gee whiz don't say golly don't say darn it we were taught that and we were we learned we don't say that And you say why we got a new nature and we don't we don't take the, these other quote lesser cuss words and use them and all our life we were changed. don't say that don't say that word Don't say that word. Amen? And see if you'll do that, here's what will happen. You'll have a lot more room for righteous words coming out of your mouth. Well, we better quit meddling and go back to teaching. Now notice this verse 2. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, that shows us right there that not only is there the fallen spirit man that is subject to disobedience, but also it is those that yield to that spirit that's in every one of us that I guarantee demon spirits are just looking for people to have an expression through. And like the, the guy yesterday that committed that heinous crime. That was a demon manifestation. Somewhere that guy opened the door and a demon got into him. You can always tell when it's a devil because they always like to come against Jewish people. Amen. I remember hearing who was it? It was uh, uh, not James Robinson, but uh, anyway, I'll think of him in a minute. He interviewed uh, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was a mass murderer that they knew that they had killed, uh, he had killed at least 36 women. Uh, all over up around uh, Colorado, up on the Northwest, and then down into Florida where he was finally caught. Uh, um, uh, and so, uh, uh, I'm still trying to remember that guy's name. Dobson. Yeah, it was do- James Dobson that interviewed him. And so, James, Doctor, doctor uh, right before he was executed, he went into his cell. And he said, because he had gotten born again in prison. He <laughs> said, what do you mean? You're going to be in heaven with Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So he was telling Dr. Dr. Dobson, because, you know, finally, first time in his life, he had his right mind. He was delivered from that iniquity. He said, well, why did they execute him? Because there are are laws in our nation that you can't do that stuff. You cross a line, you're going to have to answer to the law. Amen? But, But he said this. He said he was in a pornographic movie, and he said he felt a presence come sit down in the chair next to him. He said he looked next to him, and no one was in that chair. He said, then that presence got up and sat down in him. And it said, when it sat down in him, he said, an uncontrollable urge hit me. And 30-something ladies later, he finally got caught. Amen. That's a, you, got, you got to be careful who you yield yourself to. And listen, there are all kinds of people. Dr. Lester Summerall, who God used powerfully in deliverance and had a lot of uh, good information on the demonic realm, literally said, America is awash with demon, demonic oppression, obsession, and possession, but it hides real good in our nation. Well, it ain't hiding so good now. We've seen more and more of it come out, amen? Now notice the next verse there in verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And notice, notice this, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Thank God we got a new nature. But I like the next verse. You ready? We'll close with this. This, this is a shouting ground. Everybody say, shouting ground. But God, everybody say, but But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he loved us. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I tell you, if you don't get happy over that, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. i got to read this. In the, I was meditating on this in the Amplified uh, yesterday let me get over here to it amplified even when we were dead slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ he gave us the very life of Christ himself the same new life with which he quickened uh, with which he quickened him for it is by grace his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him, and made us sit down together. Now listen to this, giving us joint seating with Him, in the heavenly sphere, by the virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He did, not, he did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his love, his grace, his unmerited favor, and his kindness. Now, but look at this back up here. We are what? Now here's where I wanted to get to this morning. Everybody say, my... Spiritual, spiritual position. position. Now, now now, go back up to that next verse. Go back up to that next verse where it says that we have been given. Uh, King James says like this. We are risen with him and seated in heavenly places. Yeah. Now we're gonna get into this more and more as we travel deeper into the depths of the revelation of redemption in that all that God did in Christ, I like to call it the great exchange where he exchanged everything that was wrong with us for everything that is right with him. And he begins with a spiritual positioning that you could never attain to, but that he gave you because of the new birth righteousness gives it to you. The blood cleanses you and God invites you to be jointly seated in a heavenly place with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Don't you tell me you can't get healed. Don't you tell me you can't get blessed. Don't you? That's a problem with a lot of people when it comes to faith. They just do not see who they are. They just do not see what they have. But when you begin to see yourself risen with him, alive in him, seated with him in heavenly places, all things are under his feet, all things are under your feet, He has been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow in heaven, earth, and under the earth. His authority is your authority. His healing is your healing. His prosperity is your prosperity. His righteousness is your righteousness. His joy is your joy. And God took the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead, and put it in you to seal that as a reality in your life. Now let me say this, and I'll close. You have no excuse to live defeated. You have no excuse to live down and out. You have no excuse to live sick and poor. Sure, you may fight some battles. You may fight into this victory. You may have to go through some things, but I've got good news. God has already secured the victory for you. And we don't fight into the victory. We fight from the victory. God has already given it to us. Oh, if I do that, it'll be another 30 minutes. But there's a scripture over in Romans. If I's quoted, I'm gonna get in trouble. That says, "Not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, mm, 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 much more, the gift of grace." the gift of grace through one man, Jesus Christ has abounded unto me. That means it doesn't matter what happened in your first birth, no matter how far, if you were a mass murderer. But before they put you in the electric chair, you found the Savior. He forgives your sin, washes you white as snow, puts you in a heavenly place in Christ Jesus and causes your name to be in the Lamb's Book of Life and not removed. Yeah. See, it's it's, it's E.W. Kenyon who wrote a lot on this, it Says these things are so wonderful the human mind cannot comprehend. They must be meditated upon because the religious mind goes totally against that. Years ago, I was driving to a meet to preach a meeting, and there was a man on there preaching on righteousness, and he used one of my scriptures, my scriptures, my scriptures, got my name next. Amen. And he was using one of my scriptures to tear everybody up. He said this. He said, "How dare these preachers call themselves righteous? Why well, there is none righteous, no, not one. You're right. There are none righteous, no, that's over here in Adams family. Amen. And buddy, he started tearing up preachers. He started naming them by names. How dare they? That's sacrilege. That's heresy at the highest level that any man on earth would equate himself to God and say that he was the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, honey, my Bible says, he that knew no sin was made sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 that through him I might be what? Made, not obtained to through good works, not by building some big ministry and getting thousands of people saved. No, the instant I am born again, I enter into his righteousness and his righteousness becomes my righteousness. And now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Oh, how we thank you, Father. How we worship you, Lord. Thank you that you've delivered us from dead religion and given us a living Savior. Oh, we love you, Lord Jesus. We glorify your name today. We bless you and exalt you. Wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Thank you for these wonderful revelations. Let them, let them live in us, Father. The living Word on the inside. As we, as we depart today, as is our, our custom, we believe it's a righteous custom. We pray over the church. Some that aren't here today, all that are gathered together, our children in the nursery and in the children's church. Father, we thank you. As your people, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you for safety and protection in the coming week. Thank you, Heavenly Fathers, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways. We are protected. We are blessed. We are kept. In the righteous labor of our hands, whether it be out in the ocean. Medical branch, education, the oil patch, everywhere we go, construction, everything we do. Thank you. We are not subject to the evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Heavenly Father. As we leave today, the door of utterance is open for Island Church. Let every one of us, Heavenly Father, Be a blessing to people, an answer to their prayer. Let us be sensitive to your gentle spirit that just touches us with a slight impression every time we're around somebody that needs living words. We thank you for it, Father. As we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. How can we express our love? For you have loved us so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.